Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining me. That's right. Today, you just got me and me alone, and we're going to have some fun. I think we're going to have some fun anyway. We're going to talk my favorite subject, which is marketing. And um, and so I want to explore some different areas. But really what I, I want to do is I want to go back a little bit to school days and talking about the four P's, the four P's in marketing, right? But nowadays, so much has changed. There's, there's now people will talk about additional P's. So as you're going through and listening to this podcast today, I want you to think about how many P's do you have in your business, right? Not, not the kind of P's you have in your garden, because I, actually I love those kinds of P's. When I was a kid, we used to have a, a small garden in the backyard. And, and a, a quick story, I, I remember one time I was back there and I was just opening them and shelling them and just plowing them into my mouth. And I just happened to look after probably consuming about 25 or 30 of the pods and there was a worm. So I swore off peas for a little while, but not the peas in marketing. So I think that's going to be really important as we go through this. So let's talk about the four P's. And these are the four P's. If you're in business, especially if you're in your marketing, you you understand these, right? It's product, it's place, it's price, and it's promotion. Those are the four P's. So let's talk about product, if you will, or product or service. And, and this is really what you're selling. Are you selling a, a tangible product? Or are you selling an intangible product? And I think there's a benefits to both. And one of the things I always look at when, I, when I'm when i looking at positioning and messaging is how do we create that emotional connection, especially on the intangible benefits and creating a relationship with the customers. So again, thinking about the product or service that you're going to sell. And the reason you obviously, as we talk about the other P's, the product becomes very important because that's obviously how you're going to drive revenue for your organization and, and profit to the bottom line to make you um, continue to grow. Maybe you want to sell it one day and that's okay too. I had that opportunity once to sell uh, my company and uh, it was grand and glorious. I love it. I love it. I love it. But when you're thinking about your product and your service, and a lot of times we'll talk about service and people think, you can't productize your services. Now, that's a challenge, and, and some people will debate with me on that, but I believe you can, and frankly, I, I do it as well, because it's, sometimes it's easy to package that service, and so it's very defined, and people understand what they're buying for what the price is and to define that value. And really, it, when it comes to service, you're and a lot of times you're selling your time, and you're looking at that whatever that hourly rate happens to be, and how you package that up to it. So it's covering your salaries, it's covering your company's overhead, and if, it, and if you're not the owner, you know that there's a profit built into that hour to make sure that the company is profitable. I know when I had my advertising agency and whether I was working for myself or working for other firms, you know, we were always looking for that balance of, you know, what was the rate to cover the salary of the individual, what was the overhead cost, and that could have been associated to the building and electricity and all the things that went along with that, what proportion, what proportion of the, the room and the rent, if you will. And then, of course, the uh, benefits that they got, healthcare and dental and whatever those benefits happen to be. All those hap all that cost 
has to be factored in to your service hour, frankly. And, and, and hours and other things too when you're building products, those kinds of things. But, you know, it's important that you look at that as you move forward. And if we take that next step from product and service to price, right? So what are we looking for in, in price? And, and as you know, I do a lot of market research and we're always being asked, you know, what can we charge? What is the kind of the price sensitive sensitivity or insensitivity, if you will, within the marketplace and defining a price, you know, what are people willing to pay for your product or your service? What's the value proposition that they get, they feel that the benefit they're going to get from your product and service. And so pricing is, is always an interesting issue. So if you're dealing with a, you know, you're manufacturing a product and certainly you've got the cost of your raw goods that you obviously want to recoup. You want to make a profit off of those. You've got, let's say, your manufacturing time and the labor that goes into doing all that. And then ultimately, you've got to finish goods and there is a price. Now, depending, you know, ultimately on how you distribute that product, and we'll talk about that next P in a second. I mean, really, you're looking at a, a lot of different aspects when you start thinking about pricing. So it's not only what you think the costs are going to be, but what's the market going to bear? And when we think about the market, you also have to look at the competition. If ultimately your price point's coming out at, we'll, we'll make this up, $100, and, but your nearest competitor, or maybe your, your leading competitors are at $60, you know, now we've got a price differential, differentiation that we need to deal with and we need to understand why. And again, are your customers willing to pay more for that or not? So you're looking at the competition. You're looking at the margins that you're trying to make. Right. You have to look at, are you going to be a discounter? Are you going to be providing volume discounts? One of the things when I worked in the restaurant industry, we were always fighting with our restaurant uh, chains about not becoming a discounter. Why? Because the customers start to expect those discounts. And when you don't discount, then they have an issue with it. So we have to be careful in how you structure not only your pricing, but how you deliver that pricing. Are you giving preferential tricing, pricing to a current customer versus uh, a new customer versus a repeat customer? You know, you're rewarding people. The longer you've been with me, the more you buy. We're going to give you this volume discount or because we're going to give you the, the, the loyal customer discount. We've all been there before where we're going in and maybe looking at a, a product that we're going to buy or a service because we have purchased it over and over and over again. We get value from that, 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 that the businesses want to retain us. They want to retain our business. And so one of the ways to do that is to incentivize us through price. But price isn't always it, right? We have to deal with the value proposition that there's really a benefit for, for the, the pricing aspects of that. So again, when you think about price and pricing your product, there's, there's a kind of a, the supply chain and manufacturing, if you will, the creation. Um, this is about, you know, years back, I'll say 10 years ago, I was working in the action sports industry. And again, if you listen to the show, you know that. And really we we're selling through distribution channels, but the but the manufacturers, if you will, of those products were buying, let's say, making a T-shirt. And, and I worked with a very small brand. Actually, it was my one of my sons started an apparel brand and uh, him and two of his buddies. And we became the bank of dads and we got involved in the business because we wanted to make sure they were managing the money correctly. But one of the things you do learn in, in that apparel business is we're, if we're going to silk screen onto T-shirts, we have to buy the blanks and the blanks are you know, basically a T-shirt without anything on it. There's a cost to that. 
And then we have to factor that cost into what's it going to take us to do the silk screening, but also what's the distribution channel? Because as we go up, if the cost, our cost of goods, for example, of the blank and of the silk screening, let's say it's 10 bucks. If we want to make a $10 profit or 100% profit on it, now we're at 20 bucks. But the distributors and the dealers also want to make a profit off of their purchase. So now we're, if we did that, now we're at 20, now they're at 40. Well, that gets a little expensive. It's telling us we need to drive the cost of our, our, our raw goods down, our, our blanks, if you will. And, and so again, there's a lot of components that go into pricing. It is not an easy factor. You know, building the product, you already know what you want to build. There are certain costs associated with that, you know, what your service and you're defining it. But when you get down to pricing, pricing is one of those challenges that you really need to work hard on, need to constantly keep your finger on the pulse, especially if you're dealing, again, with contractors and things that are providing you uh, raw goods. Well, certainly now we have pricing kind of nailed down and we have our product and our service. Now we're off to place of the four P's and basically is where can they buy the product, right? Where, what are the distribution channels? Is it online? Is it offline, right? Brick and mortar. Can I go to a store and physically buy it or am I buying it on uh, online? Um, is, it, is it a physical product that's being distributed to me? Is it a digital product that I'm downloading? Whatever that happens to be, there is the places that a person can go to to purchase that product, right? That's what they call it, place. So what is that place? And really, when you start thinking about defining your distribution channels, it, again, it's back to that marketing plan and that business plan. How are you going to get the product built? What's the price going to be? And how are you going to put that product in front of people to buy? So that distribution strategy, whether you're selling through distributors, whether you're selling direct to the specialty change in the alcoholic beverage industry, there was three tier distribution. So we had to deal with the distributors and the distributors had to deal with the end users. And we had to make sure that we were, you know, building that relationships with all of them and driving people to the end user from with our campaigns, which we'll talk about in the next P and getting people to go there. So again, when you're laying out your plan, these three P's are extremely important to understand that they're not isolated pieces, but they're all integral with each other. And as I started to mention, we get into promotion, right? So that's the advertising part. That's the ad traditional advertising in magazines, on television, on radio, outdoor billboards. It could be public relations. It could be trade shows. It could be digital marketing, whether it's, it's SEO or it's paid or earned and it's landing pages and it's videos it's all those different elements that you're creating in your promotional campaign if you will in your communications plan and how to put the product to drive people to purchase that product and bring those four pieces together so when you think about the promotion aspect and you're driving people do they know about your product and services if they don't then you need to build awareness now if you're building awareness of course that is one stage of the customer journey because we need to educate them about why us. What's the value proposition? And again, if it's not based on price, you're building a value. Why would I want to use this product? What is the value to me as a user? Forget the price, but what is the value to me? So you got to build that awareness so then I can have interest. And so we're going to do Maslow's hierarchy. And we're looking at awareness and interest. Like 
if I build awareness, I've got to get you interested in what we're talking about. I've got to move you down the funnel to consideration. Well, I like what you're telling me there, Angelo. Uh, maybe that might be something I might be interested in. So you now you got me in the consideration set. Now you've got to get me to try. And we see that a lot in SaaS software, right? You could sign up for a free trial for seven days or 14 days to get you hooked, to get you experienced, to actually get you to try that product to know whether it works for your business or for you personally. And then ultimately you drive me to purchase and then hopefully you love the product and you're, you're into that repeat mode. And every year you're dealing with customer retention and how you nurture that along in your marketing plan to make sure people continue to buy, whether it's on a monthly basis, we're dealing with a subscription or whether they're buying on an annual basis or every quarter, or frankly, uh, it's a one-off uh, t-shirt, if you will, and but you want me to love your brand so I can go back and buy more. So you're building customer loyalty. So again, all these things are woven into your marketing strategy in these four P's. Now, what's interesting is time went on and, and we look at the advance of digital marketing and things like that. There's actually been a fifth and sixth P. So how many P's do you have in your set of P's? All right. I wish I could have you raise your hands because I'd love to hear what you have to say, but there's a fifth and a sixth P now. Now, one that seems to be concurrent is people. And people becomes a six P. Why? Because people are so important in ensuring that your product and services are built, that you can communicate, you have the distribution channels, because without people, frankly, none of this other stuff really matters. So you have to have a strong base in making sure that you have the right people on the bus, Jim Collins, right, in the right seat. And not only, though, are you dealing with your internal customers and your external customers, right? There's a difference. There's, you have to, and this is a, one of my pet peeves with organizations is we tend to be very focused <clears throat> externally, but not internally to make sure that everybody within the building, if you will, has an understanding of what's going on. They understand the role that they play within your organization and their contribution to your business. That's not just a job. It can't be just a job. I come in, I do my accounting, I I do my marketing, you know, I come in, I build the widget and I leave at night. Well, that doesn't help the business because these people potentially are ambassadors. They walk out the door at night. They could be telling people what they do. What do you do? Hey, I'm in uh, manufacturing over at XYZ company. So what do you do? Oh, I, I run the lathe and making the, the, the widget. Oh, okay. What they didn't do is tell you about the company and the value, what, what that widget that they do what it does what maybe that widget goes into a heart valve and saves somebody's life they, they we need to make sure they understand internally about what's going on but let's go back outside so those are your customers and your prospects and how do you define who they are and how do you know that they will buy your product and services now again if you've listened to the show you know my mantra is know your customer if you don't know your customer frankly there's no amount of peas that are going to make it happen because you need to understand what's going to motivate them to buy if we have to change their behavior based on maybe loyalty to somebody else or to change the way they might use a product or service or understand the value that you're bringing that it's going to help their business and frankly help them 
as an employee in that business. A lot of times people are making decisions because it's going to benefit not only their company, but also benefit them, right? Because they do a great job. Your people are really happy. It's like, hey, Angelo, you did a fantastic job bringing in that, that new product and that new service. You know, we're going to give you a 25% raise. Yeah, well, if that, those are the old days. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen that kind of raises in a long time. So I would talk to my boss. Uh, I want to talk to my boss. Unfortunately, it's me. And he says, no way you're getting a 25% raise. So think about your customers, understanding the nuances. I do market research all the time and developing personas, if you will, to understand the nuances of the customer. If you don't understand how they buy, what's important to them, how does it affect the business and the people within the organization that are using that product or service, you cannot, I truly believe this, you cannot communicate with them. You cannot be relevant and understand who they are, what their needs are, if you don't know them in them in the context of the business or they're in the context as a consumer. You have to understand and so the people part of all of this really, to some degree, has to you know, be right up there with the, the four Ps. And, and it is the fifth P, and at least in my book, it's the fifth P. And, and frankly, it's, it's also as equally important, if not more important, than everything else, right? Because without the customer, who cares the amount of, of promotion that you're going to do? Who cares about what you're going to charge? Who cares how they can, where they can buy it? Um, and frankly... You're building products that nobody's going to buy. So without that customer, it, you got to have that. So I encourage you to think about that fifth P. Now, let's talk about the sixth P. Now, there's a lot of disagreement, I'll say, on what that sixth P might be. Uh, I've read some articles and somebody talks about it being passion. It's about having passion for what you're doing, having passion that you can communicate and build that passion within your customer base, right? To drive, to get people to be proactive and, and be reactive to what you want them to do because they have passion for the sport or they have passion for the travel or whatever it happens to be. You're tapping in to that P, that passion P, number six, to help them motivate and, and drive them to do all of the other P's that we're talking about uh, to make that happen. Now, some might say that the sixth P is performance, or you might call it profit, depending on how you want to look at it. I, I think they're very similar, so I'm going to go performance or profit, right? So you're really looking at the financial and the strategic aspects of, of what are we trying to achieve, what's realistic, what are those profit margins that you're trying to get, how do you grow the business. And so that performance of the organization, the performance of the, the product to ensure that people want to come back and want to buy that product. And however you're de defining that, right, if, make sure what you don't do is overpromise and not be able to deliver. Because especially in today's world, it takes a long time to build a brand and it takes moments to destroy it. All right. So as you're going along with all these P's, you know, there's there's traps in each one of these that can help disrupt or potentially disrupt your business. So when you think about that fifth or that sixth, P, whether it's performance or whether it's profit or whether you see that as the same, um, I think you need to, to consider that is, is a strong element of, of the sixth P. Now, 
one of the things that we we look at all of this stuff is is about how do we use some of this and, and market segmentation actually plays a big role in how you can capitalize on the six p's right because you can drill down into the define clusters of customers within a various market segment to help focus your efforts and again by knowing your customer doing that research and and spending that time on the people side right the fifth p if you will you can help develop campaigns that are more relevant to what's important to your customers and, and clustering is, a, is an interesting way when you look at how do you put like people together so if you got it already selling for example and you have a customer base what you want to do is figure out how do you find customers that are in a similar situation now you can do the smile and dial you might have databases there's buying lists whatever it happens to be but ultimately you're trying to find people that can replicate the need for your product and service and so by understanding your vertical segments who who is your end user when the specific vertical and understanding what's relevant within each one of those verticals becomes very important because the way you speak the way you message in one vertical may not be the same way you message or speak in another vertical why because you might be a leader in one you might be a challenging challenger in the other what's important in the in the scope of looking at attributes for example the priority of what's important in one vertical may be different in the other so again those are really important as we think about all the promotion and the price and the various p's of how we're going to bring and market and grow your business thinking about the traditional four P's and now we now we have six P's now if we look at passion we look at performance and process profit there is another P that that also flies out there now whether this is number seven or whether this is six I'm going to leave that up to you but process is another P that has been talked about and really looking at having the processes within your organization to help drive consistency and quality um, you know ways to differentiate yourself from your competitors and and really you could probably tie process and performance together and and I'm gonna do that because I think I could make a case for that now you might decide that's not necessarily for you but I think it's an it's important that process to help with efficiencies and to be effective and to sure ensure consistency and whether your service or your product or what you're delivering is extremely important so let's let's look back then we're talking about product and service right so p1 is product number two is place number three is price number four is promotion and then number five is people number six however you want to look at it performance profit passion process probably do them all we could add up six seven eight uh p's let's, let's get to 10 let's see if we can get to 10 but one of the things that is, has happened in this kind of pandemic world is the acceleration of digital transformation. Now, uh, the CEO of uh, Microsoft had made a comment that you know, we've experienced three years of digital transformation in three months. And, and what that's done, and there's a lot of research studies that are out there, has shown that more and more people are being driven to the Internet to do their research. There's an 85% increase in, in from year 2016 to 2019 of the amount of people doing research online. But there's also a big change in the amount of gauge, engagement that's going on, right? Driving into that consideration set. So one of the things when we think about the funnel 
traditionally when we're looking at the symbiotic relationship, not the adversarial, but a symbiotic relationship with sales, which I have with my partners, marketing really focuses on that awareness building and driving interest in the product and maybe a little bit into the consideration set and boom we want to get it over to sales because we want those babies to close that deal now because of what's going on with the pandemic and digital transformation and and i think this is going to continue to carry over i don't personally i don't see a change when all this is over and we go back to quote unquote the new normal or the business normal or whatever happens to be or the new normal of doing work, however you want to define it. I'm not sure this is going to pendulum is going to swing back. I think that role is going to shift because I think it's become more efficient, especially because of the digital marketing. So now instead of handing it off right after interest or maybe just touching on the consideration, actually marketing is taking it much further into the funnel. So awareness and interest and deeper into the consideration set before it's passed on to sales. So again, those are really important to understand your customer journey, what's important to them, and understanding this combination of all these other things that we've been talking about. Because ultimately what you're trying to do is differentiate yourself from your competition to create a value proposition that's better than theirs, and so your potential customers will buy your product or service. Sounds simple. Simple to me. But it sounds simple, but as we all know, it's very difficult to have all of those elements uh, working together, especially if you're a manufacturing company, because now you got to deal with, like I'm saying, getting raw goods. And what if you're buying your goods from China? Now there's a delay. Uh, we're out here in Southern California. I was looking out at the ocean today and near uh, near Long Beach Port, and the entire ocean is peppered with um, ships. The cargo ships that are just sitting out there because they they can't seem to you know get into the dock and, and get unloaded, so that just affected, if you will, my my goods for me in order to build my product. So now I've got other issues. So now what do I do? Plus I'm probably paying a a a, a tariff, so my prices just went up, which I have to pass on. And maybe maybe now I have to go to another country, to Vietnam or to Mexico, to get what I need built. So now my pricing structure is going to change. My distribution channels are the way I get my supply chain and how or the products get to me. So again, all these factors are very fluid in what you're doing as, as far as your day-to-day -day marketing and your day-to-day -day business. And I use the term marketing, and, and, and it's interesting. I belong to a, a several groups, and there's a bunch of us that use the term marketing. But at the end of the day, when we really get into marketing, we're all viewed very differently. A lot of times businesses, when we start talking marketing, there's actually a conversation I had today with somebody, a prospect, who we started talking marketing, and they were going right to email campaigns and digital campaigns. And I just said, you know, we've got to step back. We have to understand the customers. We have to understand the market conditions. And we really need to think through the strategies of what's going to drive people to click the button, if you will, to, to join in on this product. And they loved the fact that I was not in a hurry to get to the tactical stuff and to build their websites and do all these things. Why? Because frankly, unless we really understand all the stuff I've been talking about so far, unless we really understand that, then everything else becomes secondary. Because frankly, you have the websites and digital campaigns and all those things. But if your message isn't right, you're not reaching the right audience, you're not hitting them with the right price or the motivating price to get them involved, then again, it's all for naught. Now, the other thing that's, that's interesting uh, through this digital is is there's been conversations about instead of P's that there's C's so P's to C's 
And so what does that mean? So uh, through some recent reading, this is how it's defined. Product is now defined as customer choice. Why? Because there's a lot of products and services out there and customers are in charge of how they choose who they're going to use. As I mentioned earlier, what are they doing? They're doing more research online. They're taking control, whether you're a consumer or whether you're a B2B buyer, we're taking control, doing more research online before we make that decision. So now it really is that decision. I know growing up, my, my mom used Tide and I use Tide and, and there's a lot of products and services or service, yeah, products, I guess not services necessarily, that I use that my parents use. But I know that people don't necessarily think that way anymore because they have choices. They go out, especially the millennials, doing more research to understand what's going to benefit them, what's the, the, the behavior, what's the kind of the culture of the organization or the charitable organization, what about their diversity and all these other things that now are getting evaluated about an organization where people are making conscious choices on what they're going to buy. Place really becomes convenience. Think about it. During this pandemic, now raise your hands. How many of you just ordered online? Just went to Amazon. I was ordering more crap on Amazon than I probably needed. But you know what? When there was a toilet paper shortage, boy, we were all online going to every grocery train, to every every Target and, and Walmart and Amazon or Costco, wherever we could go to try to buy something online because why we weren't leaving the house it was a high level of concern. And so we were looking for convenience. You need a book. You used to go down to uh, uh, Brookstone or not Brookstone. What's the one? I can't remember. See, I can't even remember the name of the bookstores anymore. Um, and now do we do? We just hop on Amazon. We order the book. Or frankly, I just do digital downloads now. I don't even, I don't even get the hard covers unless later on after I bought the digital book, I decide I actually need to have the hard copy. So it's about convenience. Now, it's always been about being in the right place to make it convenient for people to buy. Think about it. If you're selling apparel, you want to be in the, whether it's department stores or specialty stores, you want, or going online, you want to give people access and to make it, to find your products and service easy, making it easy for them to buy. But now it's even more so with, with online stores, with Amazon, and, and frankly, they're all competing against each other now. More and more stores are going online, uh, even donut shops, right? You can go online and order your donuts. You don't have to even walk into the store. With Grubhub and, and all the DoorDash and all the delivery services, so frankly, we could just hunker down, hibernate, never actually walk out of the house again. And uh, I'm not advocating that. Don't get me wrong, because that is not something I, I condone. However, there has been times when my wife was like, hey, you've been in the house for like seven days straight. It's time to get the hell out and get some vitamin D. Now, the next P, which was place, that place, which was price, is now really looking at the C, which is cost to the customer. So what's the cost to the customer? If you go on Amazon, you can, there's their recommended choices, but you can actually click the button and get a lot of other choices. So now there's a variety of ways to look at different pricing scenarios. Who's doing what? Why Why is the same product a different price? Because the retailer can charge what they want, or depending if there's a suggested manufacturing 
reseller price. So, you know, minimum pricing, you can't go below it, the blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of other stuff to think about. But really is what are we willing to pay and what is the cost to us to have that? Now we're online, unless you're an Amazon Prime person, you're paying for delivery. So the cost of that $10 widget could be $18. Why? Because you're paying for shipping costs. So the, really, the, ultimately, the cost of the customer starts to get evaluated. How can I get this? Can I get this for free? What's it going to be? Can I get my movies now, my streaming movies, without ever actually leaving the house? I just need to order that big screen TV, that 80-inch, which I've got my eyeballs on. I'm going to have that by the end of the year. And I can stream all the movies. Frankly, never leave the house. I have a popcorn maker. That's all I need. That's all I need. So if I have a beard down to my uh, down to my tush next time, you'll know that I actually never left the house. I just kept growing it. So think about that. Then we're dealing with product, which has now become customer choice, place, which has now become convenience, price, which is now cost to the customers, and promotion. Really, we're talking about communication. Now, that's really what we've always been talking about, but let's translate that into the C. So back to how are you communicating? What is the way your customers consume information? We talk about this quite a bit. If you're talking to a slightly older person in the business world, let's say they might like white papers. They might paper. They want to see a brochure. But you start going down into a younger demographic. They don't care about the paper. They want it in digital format. They want to see video. They, they don't want to kill any trees. And so that becomes all important to understand the investments you're making in communications materials and how they're best going to be used by your target audience. How do you know how they like to consume information? You're going to have to go talk to them. You have to do some market research. You're going to have to potentially get on the phone and call all your current customers if you have any. If you don't, then you might have to go out and survey some prospects to understand how it's best to deliver. Now, as we continue on to the new P's, we talk about people, right? So now it's a consideration. It's about how are they considering your product or your service and understanding what's important to them and how they undergo that evaluation of making a decision. We can look at process and we can take that into consistency. And I, I think I used that word when I was talking about process before. So if we think about consistency in in the product development or consistency in your messaging, consistency in your price, consistency in the image that you're trying to portray. Years ago, I was working on a wine brand, which at one point in time was a really highly regarded special wine. I'm not going to say the name, but a really highly regarded special brand that you would feel proud to take it to a party. People go, oh, my God, you brought that brand. Oh, my God, thank you so much. It's great. Then over the years, the, the stewardship of that brand actually lost its way. And you could actually find it at the local chili cook-off on a Saturday afternoon. And it became unspecial. People, frankly, was very drinkable. People liked it. But the price point was probably 60% less than it used to be. And it could find it everywhere. It wasn't special. And so that kind of consistency in the messaging got lost. And, you know, part of my job was actually to help gain that back and to elevate that brand and the way we spoke to the marketplace and the consistency that was always in the bottle, always in the bottle. But we had to change people's perception and be very consistent in delivering that message. And a lot of times I find in dealing with businesses, 
the messages that they're delivering are very inconsistent, not only in their communications, but what you know we're putting out from a marketing standpoint may not be what the salespeople are saying when they're out in the field. It may not be what procurement saying to their customers or their vendors. It might not be what the HR folks or how they're talking to potential candidates and interviewing. So there's that. If you remember I said earlier, people is about internal and external. Right, that's really important that there's a, that consistency in the way things work. And in that last uh, P, that which is actually not a P that we talked about, but it, it has risen in this kind of conversation, is physical um, uh, evidence is about circumstances, about the circumstances that you would buy or this product or services. So now we're dealing with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven C's. Versus the six P's that I have, depending on how you wanted to do that. We might have had seven, we might have eight, we might have nine. The point being, the way you're looking at these different aspects of the P's or C's, it doesn't matter. It's a different way to frame how you think. And again, some of this is just, yeah, I know this stuff, Ponzi. You're not telling me anything new. But hopefully you've really listened because I think there's some nuances in there depending on how you frame it. And I think that's the important part. It isn't just one or the other. It is about all the different aspects that have to work in a symbiotic relationship in order for you to grow your business. It can't just be about price. You could have the best price in the world. If I can't find the product or I can't buy the product, I mean, how many times have you wanted to buy something and it just is not there? You just can't get it. So now you're either forced to wait or you're forced to make a conscious choice to go buy another brand. If you make the conscious choice to buy another brand, you've just let the fox into the hen house. Now there's an opportunity for them to build a relationship with your customer. And so that's the last thing you want. You don't want to be out of inventory. And it certainly happens all the time, especially in this day and age. And I'm not sure some of the times on some of the, the, the bigger websites, if you will, that we're down to two left. Yet 15 minutes to make a decision, or you got 37 seconds to buy this, or it's going to go to somebody else. And I think that's sometimes it's it's just uh, they're they're fishing, they're they're reeling us in, if you will, as consumers. But I think the important part is that all these things have to work together. And then when you start thinking about all of these different combinations, and and frankly your marketing strategy, you have to start thinking. If I have a current market that I'm marketing to and I uh, have uh, existing products and services, I've already kind of proved that point. I mean, I'm continuing to penetrate, if you will, that market segment. I'm selling more products and services to the same people that I have. By the way, I've done a lot of survey work and most of your customers have no idea of all the products and services that you sell. I'm not kidding. Go do a survey, ask them that question. I, I'm betting money, big money, that the majority of them will say they have no freaking idea. You're losing opportunities. You have lost opportunities if you're only selling what you're selling to them without letting them know of all the other things. And you also have to look at is there other people in the organization that could benefit, maybe not from the exact product or service you're selling to that individual, but maybe something else in your, your quiver can go to somebody else. So again, this is about market penetration and really expanding into the current customers and the prospects within a particular segment. Now, you can look at your current customers and maybe you discover there's new ways to create new products that don't exist. So now you're really in a product development mode and helping to expand 
your services, if you will, or your products within a given marketplace um, by identifying and bringing new products to market that, that there's a demand for. Just don't go build it. Don't build it and they will come because that field of dream syndrome just does not work. Let's just say it hardly ever works. Maybe never is a hard word, but don't invest the time and the money without going out and doing that. I remember the very first product that I built um, we had a concept and they sent me out into the field and I went out and started visiting customers and said, hey, what do you think about this this concept? Oh, we love that idea. You know, there's a couple dominant players in the marketplace. We'd love to see another competitor in the marketplace, but it kind of needs to do this, 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 and this. So I would go back and the engineers would, would work on it and then I go back out again. Now, maybe this time I'm bringing out mock-ups. What do you think about how it looks and, and kind of the materials that we're thinking about using? Here's some of the piping, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that piping's really good, but... You know, in the environments that it's going to work, it's going to be highly corrosive. This this probably won't last very long. So we probably wouldn't want to purchase a product like that. So you go back to engineering, they, they define it again. And this happened over a six-month period. And boom, voila, there is a new product that you're bringing back to the customers that frankly helped design it. So we were engaging our customer base to help us design a product that they could use and they could benefit from. I thought that was brilliant at the time. I was young. And, uh, you know, I've always thought about that and always using that. To, again, what did I say earlier? Know your customer. Take it to the field. Understand if you've got a product that you can take and have people test. We would do this all the time with focus groups. We'd have a group of people in. We would, you know, talk about the concepts and all that kind of stuff. We'd actually give them assignments, have them use the product for a couple of weeks, and then come back in and tell us about their experiences. I mean, think about that, to have people actually use your product and services to give you feedback. That's why when you sign up for premium stuff and all that, they, they want information. They, they want to get your info. They want to survey you. They want to understand what your experiences are. So that's really important. Well, then there's the other side of the coin, right? You're looking at new markets and you got existing products and services. Can you sell all these P's and C's, if you will, to a new market? Can you expand into a new vertical, into a new category with the existing products and services that you have. You don't have to go build anything new. You just have to invest the dollars probably in the promotion side of things, maybe in the place side of things, because you now have a new opportunity and a new place to go sell all those products and services. And then lastly, of course, you're looking at new markets and new products, then you're in a diversification strategy. And then that is really getting out there. Maybe it's innovation and you're looking for ways to, to really open up doors that you have no access to otherwise without doing new products and targeting something brand new. So those are really important. And again, all these things that we've been talking about today all play into your strategic development of your business growth strategy. Because ultimately you want to know how you're going to get there, how you're going to protect it. What's the price points? What kind of money can you make? How can you be attractive? all the different pricing scenarios that we talked to, all the communication strategies that we talked about, all become extremely important in helping you define your new set of P's or C's, depending on how you look at it. Now, if you'd like to talk about this even more with me, because you can tell I like to talk, give me a call, send me an email, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to have a chat with you because I think it's a report and very important. And if we look at this even as a base conversation into a bigger conversation, I think there's an element to that that becomes extremely crucial in 
setting your strategies for growth. And whether it's one year, two years, three years, whatever it's going to be, whether you're thinking about exit strategy, an exit strategy, whether you're scaling your business, whether you're starting your business, whether you have to pivot because you've been hurt because of the current pandemic, or frankly, the competition's gotten too tough and you need to pivot and do something a little bit different, right? There's always opportunities to step back, take a look, look at all these different pieces and figure out, hey, put them on a chessboard, all these pieces on a chessboard, and how are we going to move them to help you capitalize to uh, be a successful, grow an excess, successful and enduring business? So again, feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk to you. I'm uh, uh, happy to want to send a comment. I'm happy to talk about it, but I appreciate that. And if you're a listener, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. As you know, I, if you are a listener, I'm into my third year. This is a lot of fun. This is uh, my passion, right? My P, one of my P's. Uh, it's not a moneymaker. It is something I do because I like to give back. I like to give business advice because I feel as I was told many years ago, one of these days you'll have an opportunity to pay it forward and to be able to offer advice and to help people. And that's why I do this show. And hopefully you're enjoying it. And if you're not a subscriber, but this is your first time listening, or frankly, if you're a subscriber, tell other people about the show. I think it's important. I'd love to get more people on taking a listen. And I'm always looking for guests as well. And again, if you are not a subscriber, but a first time listener, Listen to a few other shows, and if you like them, please subscribe. A variety of guests that I think you'll find fascinating. We've had some really funny shows and, and, and inspirational shows and motivational shows, but they're all in those shows. There is some kind of business advice that I believe will help you that you can take away, implement in your business. So again, thank you for joining me here at the Business Growth Cafe. I'll see you next week. Your strategic plans are essential to managing your business's growth. Spend the time to develop a cohesive roadmap to follow to ensure your entire team is moving in the right direction. These plans should take the insights and the brand strategy work you've already completed to help you achieve your long-term business and growth objectives, as well as keep you competitive. These are actionable plans and should include the details of achieving your growth, including tactical implementations, timelines, budgets, and KPIs for success. Developing your plan is a team sport. Make sure you include the stakeholders from each of your strategic departments in your organization because everybody in the company is impacted by the success or failure of your plans. The following are six key questions to ask yourself. Do you have a clear understanding about what you're trying to achieve? Number two, what does your brand stand for in the eyes of your customers? Three, why do your customers buy from you? Four, what are your competitors doing? And five, what is your approach to sales? Where are your opportunities for revenue coming from? And number six, how can you differentiate yourself from your competition? Visit theponzigroup.com to learn more. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.